guys. Welcome back to the OG of the HRC way news. They ain't telling you. As usual, let's get right into it with quick news because as usual, we've got a lot going on. First and foremost, the House has officially voted to kick Marjorie Taylor Greene off of all of her committees. Apparently what has happened is the GOP met Marjorie Taylor Greene sort of did this. I'm sorry I ever believed in conspiracy theories. Kevin McCarthy came back with, hey, Democrats, why don't you just let her be on the small business committee instead of knocking her off of everything? Nancy Pelosi was like, yeah, no. So the House has officially voted that woman has no committees. So that is a step in the correct direction. Um, and other Q news, Matt Gates. The congressman, he is willing to resign to represent Trump during his impeachment since he doesn't really have much of a legal team. Not surprised. Canada has officially out added the Proud Boys, which is the part of the group that took over on January 6th, to its terror list. So great to know that our Canadian neighbors are ahead of the game and we're not. Um, Wisconsin is seeking a warrant for Kyle Rittenhouse for allegedly violating his bond. Um, he, of course, is the kid who at the Black Lives Matter killed someone and he was held on bond. He was free to be at home. He just had to have certain criteria and they had to know where he was at all times. Well, apparently he is missing. And apparently they say it's because he was scared for his life, which is very interesting because he was hanging out in a bar at 17 years old with a bunch of Proud Boys doing the white power signal. So I don't really think he's scared of much. Um, Virginia Senate has passed a bill to abolish the death penalty in Virginia. New York prosecutors are investigating Steve Bannon. And what's interesting about this, and everyone should pay attention to this in particular, is Steve Bannon was pardoned by Trump, but that only pardons you from federal crimes, not state crimes. New York prosecutors are coming after him. Um, Liz Cheney survived the House GOP vote to lose her leadership role. Apparently, 61 GOP members voted against her. And um, what's very interesting was this was a a what they call a private or a, um, a private vote. So it wasn't out in the open. So it makes you wonder how many more would have voted against Cheney if it was a public vote, because 61 votes is a lot of votes. So the, the party is definitely split. That is for sure. Um, Democrats are adjusting their COVID bill to try to see what they can do. Um, there's rumors that they're going to take out the $15 an hour spike in federal minimum wage because they don't want to lose the whole bill just because of that solely, and they're not sure if they have the votes. Um, Manchin has said he's in favor of $15, so I don't know what other senators they're talking about, but there must be some some mumbles on other senators. Also, they're probably going to get rid of the real paid sick leave and checks to wealthier people, the stimulus checks. So that's the mix around as of this afternoon. We'll see if it changes. It probably will change a couple more times. We find it finally passed. Um, Schumer is set to announce that he's going to cancel student debt resolution of up to $50,000. Um, he's announcing that it's a, it's a cross the, it's across the way house and uh, senators are going to work on that together. I don't know if we have the votes for that in this time because 50,000 erases is a big take on with our deficit, but we shall see. He's officially announced it. Hunter Biden is set to release a book about his struggles with addiction called Beautiful Things. Okay. 
Uh, President Biden is pooling all U.S. support for the Yemen war, which we were in cahoots with Saudi Arabia on that, and he said no more. And the very last thing I want to say is that a new documentary is going to drop on Hulu and is on FX um, tonight. It's called Hashtag Free Britney. And if you guys follow us here on YouTube prior to us doing the new show, I did an entire thing about Free Britney and the importance of Free Britney and Britney being freed from her, her father and managers and her sister even. And this is an entire documentary saying this, the entire story of Britney Spears from the fall, I mean, from the beginning to the fall. And um, I heard the New York Times did it, so it's investigative reporting. It's not cheaply done. They have her former assistant. They have her former lawyers. They have former executives at Jive Records, which was her first um, record deal. So everyone should really watch this. I'm not saying this as a Britney Spears fan, which I am. I'm saying this as a concerned woman who's concerned about another woman who we've all benefited off of. So, like, I think it's time for us to help her and pay it forward. So, please, everyone, watch hashtag Free Britney. Like I said, it's on Hulu. It'll be on Hulu the day after it premieres. So, it premieres tonight on FX. So, please, please watch that and support it. Her boyfriend retweeted the link to it. So, not sure how I feel about the boyfriend still, but that's saying a lot because she's with him 24-7. So, that is the quick news today. Let's get into a little more in-depth. All right, so what I'm going to cover is 24-7 coverage because I feel that not a single night will go by without hearing these names. And I don't even watch the news, so I just hear it and see it on Twitter, on Politico, on Huffington Post constantly. They're always the headline names. AOC, Marjorie Taylor Greene, I'm not comparing them to. I'm just saying that I, we hear their names 24-7. They are very different people, and I'll explain that in a second. Any member of the squad... Those poor other girls, though, I will say this. They don't really get names. We know their names, but they don't really get names in the media. It's just AOC and the squad. It's like Diana Ross and the Supremes. That's pretty much what's happened there. Lowen Bobart, Bobert, Bobart, I don't really care how to say her name. Jim Jordan and Matt Gates. Those are all names that we hear constantly. And they're like the rebels, you know, who demand attention. Let's just be honest here. Now, some are true threats. And some just crave the attention. Now, again, AOC is very different than Marjorie Taylor Greene. Now, overall, though, I feel as a society that we feed their egos. The media feeds their egos. Um, you know, online feeds their egos. You know, we feed their egos the same way that they we all fed Trump's egos. We have to take accountability for that. The fact that we still, he's been gone now, what, a month and a half, two months? I think uh, not even a month, right? And we're still locked into where's Trump in? How, you know, I don't care where he's been, but a lot of people do. And the media does. You look at the ratings of Fox News, CNN, and MSNBC since Trump has been gone, and they're all plummeting. Now, Rachel Maddow is the number one show in America, night news show in America, and number two is Tucker Carlson. So that tells you everything you need to know, right? We're divided as divided can be. However, they plummeted. Because it's not that 24-hour news cycle of Trump. So the, I believe they replaced it with AOC, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Burbart, Jim Jordan. Those kind of like crazy energy. And we don't learn our lessons. We just go on board. I, I look at my Twitter feed every day and it's like Marjorie Taylor Greene, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Marjorie Taylor And I get it. That woman is crazy beyond crazy. But are we adding to that crazy? I'm not saying to ignore it. There's a big difference here. But the way we sort of blow it up and blow it up and blow it up is, 
I think it adds to her ego and it adds to her building something larger than she necessarily is. That's what we did with Trump. So there have been, now before I say this, please know, I I know that I've been on record saying I'm not a fan of AOC. However, the other day I said I applauded her for coming out about this, her her trauma with uh, sexual assaults in her past. And I still stand by that. I am not by any means, before I cover this, saying that she is lying. I am not by any means saying that her trauma doesn't matter because it does. Every person who has trauma, it matters from January 6th. It matters. I don't care who you are, what side of the aisle you are. It matters. What happened is not normal. So however you deal with it, however you process it, that's on you. Okay, so there have been questions around AOC's recount of what happened on January 6th. Um, many doubt solely based on her own inconsistencies in her career. And what I mean by that is she has sort of spun how she was brought up and she made it seem like she was this poor girl when she wasn't. Um, she grew up in a very nice area in New York outside of the Bronx. She didn't grow up in the Bronx like she claims that she has. Um, you know, she claims that she came from nowhere when no, she didn't come from nowhere. She went to Boston College. She has two degrees, I believe, behind her. And she was an intern for Senator Ted Kennedy for two summers, I believe. Um, so she didn't come from nowhere. So, you know, she's always on IG Live, Twitch, the whole thing, which is great. She's in contact with her her, her followers, and she's got a lot of them. Um, and, you know, she always gives these really big floor speeches that are like, oh, you know, whatever it's about, it's like the end of the world and like she's the best at this. And then they go viral. But there's no legislation in her name to back up these big floor speeches or these big moments on Instagram Live or Twitch or whatever it is. And that's what matters when you're a legislator. All of this is great when you're just, you know, a social influencer, but she's a congresswoman. So... You know, there's some questions there. Again, I'm not going to go down that road. You guys can do your own research. I'm just putting it out there that this has been going on. Another um, representative has come out and says AOC's lying because I'm two offices down from her and that's not what happened. And AOC's coming back. So we can go round and round about that. But the reason that there's any question to begin with is because there has been inconsistencies that the left tends to sort of cover up and say, oh, it's not a big deal. But after a while, those inconsistencies build to something like this where it's like, well, can, do I believe her? Do I not believe her? So that's very interesting. She has a lot of influence. She has 12.2 million followers on Twitter. That is a lot of influence. To put this in perspective, Nancy Pelosi, who is the third most powerful person in our government, she has 6.9 million. So she has half of the followers that AOC does. And I get it. AOC's young and vibrant and cool. And, you know, she's on T-shirts and she's on earrings and she's on everything. I get that. So then you turn and you go to the other side of the aisle here. And you go to someone like Green or Bobert, which are a whole different kind of breed of crazy. This is like AOC is complaining that the world is going to be on fire in a year And, um, you know, what else is she about? Uh, Medicare for all and those type of things. But it's a lot of like talk. Like I said, she has no legislation. She has a lot of influence and power in terms of the media because they love her and the Republicans hate her. So it sort of adds to that media craze. But when we're talking about Green and Boebert, that's a whole other level of crazy. Um, AOC is a lot of talk. These girls are action. Um, The fact that Marjorie Taylor Green 
has repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly on social media made these insane conspiracy theories about Jews with space uh, lasers and, and, you know, Sandy Hook never happened and 9-11 never happened and, you know, that the Democrats are part of a pedophile ring and all of these really intense conspiracies all the way up until just recently, even after she won her race, she continued going. And the only thing she said thus far is, I shouldn't have believed these conspiracy theories, but I don't believe her. You don't just get unbrainwashed that quickly when you've been caught up in this cult-like theory of the the Q word, like, well, I'm not going to say. But that's a big difference. Bobert wanting to, it's Bobert, right? I'm saying it right? Bobert? Bobert, okay. <laughs> okay. Bobert, it, it's different. She wants to have guns on the Capitol Hill. Like, she believes in conspiracy theories. She's just not as vocal as Marjorie Taylor Greene. Marjorie Taylor Greene is like the next level. You know, it's it's sort of like Marjorie Taylor Greene is like the new Trump. And Bobert is, uh, who who's a good, like, Gates or Jim Jordan, like just below, you know what I mean? But still like believes the crazy conspiracy theories where the difference I want to say with Trump, though, I don't think Trump actually believes his crazy theories. I think that he does it for attention and to get these people riled up. And he knew that there was like this little pocket of people, not little, a lot of pocket of people who weren't getting attention. So he just like went down that rabbit hole. But I don't think not saying that he's a good man. That's not what I'm saying. I just think that he's just playing them. He's a con man. He's like a circus leader. So these girls believe in the conspiracy theories. They believe that Pelosi should have a bullet in her head. That is not something that you joke about. That's not something that you just throw out. Like, that's what these people believe. And that's what makes her and and Bobart different than AOC and the squad. And again, I am not a I am not a fan of the squad. I'm not. They, they're, they're trouble to me. But they're internal trouble. They're trouble for the Democratic Party. They're trouble for getting seats, you know, not losing seats. Or they're trouble flipping seats. They're trouble with the socialism word. They're, that's the kind of trouble that they are. We're this kind of crazy. And now it's very clear that they're running things. To have 61 votes against Liz Cheney and Liz Cheney looks like the saint of the Republican Party. And Kevin McCarthy is too scared to stand up to Marjorie Taylor Greene? That's a whole, whole other level. But yet, what does the media do? They cover them 24-7. We get it after the first story. We don't need 10 other analysts telling us how we should feel about Marjorie Taylor. We got it in the first one. And what's in what's really sad is that because they get so much attention on both sides, People like Lauren Underwood, Sharice Davids, Lucy McBath, or Hakeem Jeffries, they don't get any coverage. And they are very successful legislators. They flip seats, two of them, Lauren Underwood and Lucy McBath. Lucy McBath won, won us a seat in Georgia, and she just won re-election by like a minuscule. Same thing with Lauren Underwood. They had to count, hand count every vote in Illinois, and she won. So she kept that district blue. Um, they worked there. I mean... They work 24-7. They, they, Hakeem Jeffries is about to be the next Speaker of the House once Pelosi retires. And yet we hear nothing. Crickets. When I say his name to some people, they're like, who? And I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. You know, he's legit and he's from New York and he's like a real Bronx, New York guy. He's tough. And you guys should know who he is. But yet you get 24-7 negative uh, coverage of these negative crazies. 
And I just, I'm, I'm tired of it, which is why I don't talk about AOC. I don't, you know, I, tr- I try not to talk about the squad too often on here. I don't, I try not to talk about Marjorie Taylor Green too much, but I feel like I have to in certain ways because so much is going on, but you know, and probably so much will continue to go on. But I just think like, okay, Rachel Maddow, we don't need like four stories about major, ma- you know, Marjorie Taylor Green. That's such an old lady name, by the way, Marjorie. Um, we don't need 20 stories. So apparently media, you've learned nothing from Trump and you're creating the bigger monster each day as a passage, just like Trump started out going down the escalator. Marjorie Taylor walked in, no one really knew her name and then everything started leaking and it blew up and it blew up her ego. So we'll see. I just pray that she doesn't act upon what she believes. That's, that's our hope, right? So let's move on. All right. So there has been a lot of talk since Biden has won on what are we going to do? Are we going to fix Obamacare? Are we going to do Medicare for all? Um, the reason I want to talk about this today is because Michael Moore has recently said, and I can't stand Michael Moore, so you know every time he says something, I want to punch him in the face. But he said we should call Medicare for All the the Canada Health Plan instead of calling it Medicare for All. Okay, first I just want to say this: uh, Michael Moore is a director, so he is part of the DGA, which means that he has DGA insurance. Which let me tell everyone in America, DGA insurance with that union is the second best health insurance plan in the nation. The only one that's better is literally if you work for the government, if you work on the Hill, if you work for a senator. If it, that's the only insurance that's better. So he literally is sitting there telling people how they should have, you know, uh, Medicare for all when he has the DGA insurance. And second, Canada is, Canada's insurance is not it's all made up to be. I will get into that into a second because I am so sick and tired of Americans saying, oh, well, Canada has this free health insurance and it's so great. No, no, no. I have the receipts. We're going to go through them. But first, I want to backstop a little bit here. Okay, I'm not naive. I know that Obamacare has massive issues. I understand Obamacare probably better than the average person. So I have dug deep. I have done my research. I know there are a lot of problems. There was a lot of problems from the beginning. This is what happens when you force through a bill and you only get 51 votes and you get no bipartisan votes and it's never expanded in all the years since it's been created. So Republicans don't want to touch it simply because they had no say in it. Now, for a while, I've said before, for a while, Obama tried really, really hard to get some like borderline Republicans, bipartisan Republicans to come on board, but they wouldn't touch it. So months and months went by. So finally he said, all right, I'm just going to do it. And But this is what happens. And this is why I get nervous when we do things without bipartisan support. Because that means from there on out, Republicans will not support the bill simply because it's dirty. And it works the other way, too. When a Republican passes by 51 votes, they, Democrats won't touch it because it's dirty. So that's a problem. I understand that premiums are sky high. I get that promises weren't kept. You were told you could keep your doctor. You were told that you'd never pay more than this amount. You were told, I know you were told a lot of things. Now, there are positives with Obamacare that I feel like a lot of times get overlooked. Pre-existing conditions alone is massive. But it's also the reason why we can't start over from scratch. Because I guarantee you that health insurance companies will not give us pre-existing conditions ever again. Because they were told that by, by 20, I believe it was 2017, 
a certain number of millennials would sign up for Obamacare enough to cover the difference in what they paid out for pre-exist for covering pre-existing conditions because it's more expensive for health insurance companies, so they say. That didn't happen. So health insurance still have to continue and honor the pre-existing conditions and pay for pre-existing conditions even though they didn't get what they were promised. So to get them back on the table for a new health care plan, it's not going to happen. We have to build on Obamacare. This is where we're at. I don't care if it turns into Biden care. I don't care what it does, but it does need to be fixed. But we only have this option. Okay, also it covers mental health, which no health insurance had been covered or been offered. And also college kids are covered because of Obamacare. Up until I think you're like 25 or something, which is huge, you know? So there are benefits to Obamacare. We just have to expand it and figure out what works and what doesn't. And we haven't. And Trump has spent four years gutting it, gutting it, gutting it, and making it like a, a three-legged table where everything's uneven. So now we have to go in and fix what's uneven and then fix what was already broken pre-Trump. So it's a lot of work. It's not easy. So I just want to say this, that again, everyone always says that Canada has this great health care plan and it's free and everything's okay. First, 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 <laughs> Canada does not have free health insurance. Say it with me, everyone. Canada does not have free health insurance. No country in the world has free health insurance. What they have is you pay in your taxes a large amount so that you get health services. Now, do you pay when you go to the doctors? No, but you're still paying in your taxes. That is still paying. People need to understand that, uh, that concept. You know, I always hear Bernie Sanders be like, oh, we're the only developed country in the world that doesn't have universal health care and the people don't have free health care. That's sort of true. Yes, we are the only in the world that doesn't have universal health care yet, I say. I'm an optimist. But they pay for it. Stop trying to tell people they're getting free health care. They're not. You pay more in taxes. That's just how it works. It can't work any other way. The money has to come from somewhere. So that's the first thing. Canada's universal health care plan does not cover prescription drugs. They don't cover prescription drugs. Our Obamacare covers prescription drugs. Not as much as I think that we should because we have people who can't afford insulin and we people, we have that problem here in America. What's interesting is they're the only developed Canada is the only developed country that doesn't cover prescriptions in their health plan. I don't ever hear that from Bernie Sanders when he's chiming about how great Canada's program is. One quarter of Canadian households has someone in it who is not taking their meds due to the cost of prescription for the cost of the prescription. Now, that's larger than here in America. There's a lot of Americans who don't or cut their pills in half or do what they need to do because they can't afford prescription. But it's always like this theory like, oh, I can go to Canada and get all these cheap drugs. Not all of them, folks, because how are one quarter of their pe the Canadian people not taking their meds when they have free health care, universal health care plan? That's interesting. All specialties are not covered in their Canadian universal health care. Meaning, if you have cancer, if you need a knee surgery, if you have a back surgery, if you have anything other than going to your basic doctor, it is not covered under your health insurance. Meaning that a lot of people have a secondary private health insurance that helps but doesn't cover a large number. So they're still paying 
for a secondary health insurance on top of paying in their taxes for the universal health care instead of just having one plan that covers it all, which is what Obamacare is. So that's interesting. People wait months to see a regular doctor sometimes. The waiting list because it's universal health care. So that's something you say. It's single payer. It is not Medicare for all. It's single payer. Okay. Mental health is not always covered. And it depends on what province they, province, right? That's what they're called. Province, providences. Prov- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, mental health is not always covered, which again, it's covered in Obamacare. They are second to last in the world, in the developed world, in dental coverage, meaning they don't cover dental plans, which I know that Obama doesn't. But if you go to the marketplace, you can connect your health insurance when you're shopping for health insurance with a dental plan that is relatively cheap. Now, thing is with dental, no one's dental is great unless you work for the government, the DGA, like Michael Moore. SAG has really great, you know, if you work with a union, then you get really good dental. But for the most part, most people don't get good dental. And I think that that's a mistake because dental health is very important. Um, Nursing homes in Canada, they are not covered. Here in America, you get help from Obamacare and you can get help from Medicare. So, you know, there is massive inequality in Canada in terms of health care for LGBTQ community and refugees. So for some reason, they have trouble covering them and helping them. There's, there's this inequality there. And there's also a massive gender gap in healthcare where men are getting be- better health services than women. I thought Canada was like the dream country, everyone. I thought that's what they all said. Their health insurance was the best thing on earth. Yeah, no. They pay a large amount in taxes, and they have a lot of things that aren't covered. Prescription drugs aren't covered? Like, What? How can anyone compare Obamacare to what they have? Yeah, I get it. Everyone gets it. But unless you're LGBTQ and uh, a refugee, then you don't. Okay, and unless you're a woman, you're not getting the same treatment. But okay, yeah, I'm sure. It's totally great. So listen, all I'm trying to say is Obamacare must be fixed. But we need to stop comparing ourselves to other countries and fix what we have to fix. That's our only option. There is no other options, guys. There is no other option. Medicare for all does not work. You can look into every country, every developed country that has a Medicare for all. You know, It doesn't work unless you are paying so much in taxes that you can't see straight, which is where Switzerland comes in. They pay a lot in taxes. Do I think that we should be at universal health care? Absolutely. That was the goal of Obamacare. He didn't plan on Trump winning. He planned on Hillary winning. No one knows healthcare better than Hillary Clinton, which is why I know so much about healthcare. It needs to be fixed. But let's steer clear of, of the Canadian healthcare plan and let's just stick to America's healthcare plan. And let's let's figure this out. We've been doing this since Truman. I think it's time that we figure this out. Okay, so um, recently, the other day, Evan Rachel Wood came out and as a survivor against Marilyn Manson. Four women followed. We've seen this sort of rhetoric time after time after time now where very powerful men feel like they can do whatever they want. And they do. Harvey Weinstein, Bill Cosby, on and on. You know, uh, Kevin Spacey with young boys, on and on. So this has been sort of part of our culture. I mean, Law & Order SVU has been on for like 23 seasons, and it's never going to run out of cases. The special victim unit, the unit about rape. Like, they're never going to run out of cases. And, you know, over 400,000 people are sexually assaulted and raped 
each year. That's just a guesstimation because there's a lot of people who never report. 80,000 are inmates. 60,000 are children. 19,000 are in the military. And you have to think of how many people don't report. So every 73 seconds, another American is sexually assaulted or raped. One out of every six American women are sexually assaulted or raped. Nine out of ten, nine out of ten of the sexual assault survivors are female. Nine out of ten. Nine hundred and ninety-five out of a thousand predators will walk free. So it's not just happening on SVU, on in Hollywood, across the land. This is happening every single day to regular Americans across the land. And yet I feel like as a society, we still don't know how to deal with it and how to talk about it. Um, I think that it is extremely important to have celebrities come out and tell their truth and speak their truth because it shows survivors that if they can do it, I can do it too. I believe that it's so important when someone like Harvey Weinstein, Jeffrey Epstein, um, Kevin Spacey, Bill Cosby, those guys were these powerful men were taken down. It shows women, especially, and men, but women, that it's, it, it can be okay. It, it, I know it's very scary, and I know it's very, but as long as you speak your truth, it'll be okay. It doesn't mean that the person who harmed you is going to go away to jail, because like I said, not at 995 out of 1,000 predators will walk free, meaning five really go away to jail, because... Rape and sexual assault is a hard thing to prove, right? He said, she said. Um, a lot of times, if the he is powerful, it's even harder. Um, if the he or she is, you know, has money, if the he or she, you know, he said, she said, usually he said wins out. But I just wanted to bring this up today because I think that it's just something that's ingrained in our culture. And I think that we must do better and we must find a way to sort of be more like an Olivia Benson on Law & Order SVU. You know, speaking out is always worth it. No matter how scary it is, no matter how much your voice shakes, it's worth it. Telling your truth is about freeing yourself. It's not about freeing anyone else. It's not about, it's about freeing yourself. So, you know, just know to anyone who's watching who's a survivor or, you know, or knows someone who's a survivor that you are not alone that there's a lot of women and men in across this country who are dealing with the same thing that don't have the power of Hollywood to sort of push through and, and, you know, get through it all. But, you know, it will get easier the second that you tell your truth. So I just wanted to say that and, and put these statistics out there because it, I think that this is something that should be talked about a lot more. And I hope the fact that President Biden has a relationship with Mariska Hagerty, who plays, of course, Olivia Benson, I hope that this will become like a forefront um, in the next, you know, year or so to try to figure out what we're doing wrong and how we can do better. So there you go. Okay, so I came up with this really great idea, or at least I think it's great. I don't know if you guys will, but it is called DC Disney. So what we're going to do is Sam, my trusty assistant, is going to 
Give me three politicians' names, Republican, Democrat, doesn't matter. I have not heard them yet. And I'm going to say what Disney character they are most like. So here we go. All right, Sam, do you have one? Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren. Elizabeth Warren is Pocahontas. No, I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> she's tough and she's outspoken. She, to me, Elizabeth Warren is, I'm trying to go through like the, you know who she's like, and don't don't think that I'm being nasty because I'm not. She is like the the girl from Wreck It Ralph. Do you know the girl who drives the oh, car? Penelope, I think. Yeah, is her name Penelope? Something I think like it's Penelope. That. And you know why? Because she sort of like steers. She she was going in the wrong direction. She, so Repub- I mean, uh, Elizabeth Warren was a Republican for a while. She was a Reagan Republican. So she kind of steered her way, but she figured it out. And then she ends up in the second movie like this super badass. You know, like that's what she reminds me of. It's like this little like. She's very outspoken, and she's very, like, cute and funny, and, you know, that's what Elizabeth Warren is. So, yeah, she's like Penelope, right? That's what they... I think that's her name. I love those movies. I should know what they're called, that girl's called. Sarah Silverman did her voice. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that's who Elizabeth Warren is. Okay, <laughs> go ahead, next one. Rand Paul. Oh, my God. Ugh. <laughs> He's like... Oh, my God. Senator Paul. Oh, God. Cause he's so stupid and he shouldn't be because he has a, he has medical degree he has a medical degree and he's a total pothead um which doesn't matter i don't care about that but i just think who is senator senator paul is um it has to be a character that talks really slow <laughs> like because you know uh you know who we, senator paul senator paul is like eeyore and the reason he's like Eeyore, and sorry to all the Winnie the Pooh fans, I'm just not a Winnie the Pooh fan, but the reason, because he's always just, like, depressed. Like, he's always, like, nothing's ever good. Like, oh, I don't want to spend the money. You know what I mean? Like, that's, he's Eeyore. He's literally Eeyore. He talks really slow because he's high all the time. Like, you know, he's always just, like, I don't think I've ever, the only time I've ever seen him, like, riled up is about something negative. He's so, you know, depressed. Like, yeah, he's Eeyore. Rand Paul is Eeyore. So number three. How about... John Ossoff. John Ossoff, the newest member of Congress. He's young. He's like a prince. He's like, um, he's like, you know, he's he's like Prince Eric. He looks like Prince Eric, actually. He's like Prince Eric. Like he's, you know, sort of like Luffy and Goofy. But you know, at the end of the day, when you really need him, he shows up. So that's Ossoff to me. Is Prince Eric? Yeah, that's good, right? daily descent with og of the hrc that's me okay so um i had a hard time getting a daily descent today which is crazy because i always have a million opinions about everything but i decided to go with something that i've sort of been thinking about for a while and that is i have a direct message to older millennials myself i'm an older millennial um, we're very different than the younger millennials. It's a big generation, just like the baby boomers. The older baby boomers are very different than the younger baby boomers and what they're experiencing. So I'm, I'm talking directly to older millennials. Now, we grew up in a time when we could still play outside. We're sort of like that last generation that could really like go outside and play. And the parents worried about us, but not as much as today's kids or even the younger millennials. We grew up on the Oregon Trail. <laughs> and not like the card game that you see at Target nowadays, but like the old school, like, oh man, I died. Ten buffalo killed me. That was the best game on earth. All right. 
we grew up in the time when Apple Mac was figuring itself out. And we were in elementary school when they were giving free computers to every school, especially schools here in California. So we had the best of the best. We were like advanced. We were also the generation that when we had computer class and we had to like do a how fast can you type, we just like realized very quickly that if we just pushed a bunch of buttons, it said we typed super fast and the teacher never knew. That's our generation. We're the generation of Toy Story Part 1 coming out when we were still kids and we have been able to literally grow up with Andy and Woody and Buzz and all the friends. We got to experience that. We got to experience Pizza Hut. With the stained red glass, the plastic glasses that we would somehow end up in our, like, pantry somewhere. Like, I wish I had those glasses. Just seeing those glasses bring back memories. We are the generation of where your parents gave you $20 and you did the claw game the whole night and you got really good. Like, I'm really good at that game, y'all. Or you spent, you know, $20 on stickers, 50 cents, 50 cents, trying to get the Lisa Frank sticker. We grew up where RBG was just pretty much always on the court. We just grew up with that. We grew up where Bill Clinton left of us left us a surplus. And we realized that politics could get really, really dirty, but you'll still somehow the president could succeed. We grew up with Lisa Frank. We went to junior high and we had the Spice Girls. And I'm speaking directly to the older millennial women. You know how important and massive the Spice Girls were. To have five strong women who were talented and fun and funny, but also were shouting things like girl power and owning it. It was transforma- transformations happened because of the Spice Girls. We grew up with Rugrats long before it became like this iconic thing that these younger kids are wearing. We grew up with the actual cartoon. We grew up with Nickelodeon, all that. The SNL for kids. We grew up with Harry Potter on our movie screens and the old, when we were in high school and it comes out and we're like, no, I don't read Harry Potter. And then the first movie comes out and we're like, yeah, actually, I read Harry Potter. And we became obsessed. We grew up with TRL, with Carson Daly, TJF. We grew up with the Paw Princesses, Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, Jessica Simpson, Mandy Moore, the boy bands, NSYNC, Backstreet Boys, the battles between the bands. We grew up with Justin Timberlake and Britney Spears being a couple. I mean, come on. But we also grew up through some pretty hard times. We've survived two economic disasters, two recessions, two failures of presidents in W. Bush and Trump, two wars that we had no concept of why we were even there. We survived 9-11. Most of us were in high school, and our life changed in a second. Sometimes I'm jealous of the younger millennials because they didn't feel it the same way that we did. They didn't understand it the same way that we did. I will never forget waking up and my mom was crying on 9-11. I didn't know why. I looked at the TV and I thought, oh, it's an accident because who could possibly attack America? No one attacks America. And my mom said, it's not an accident. We're, We're in war. And I didn't know what to do. And our whole world changed. We survived all of that. So many graduated college during the recession. So many lived through the hope and the change of Obama and prayed that racism and classism and all that, those things that he had promised us would go away. We lived through a time where we saw the first black president in the White House with the first black family. And yet, here we still are, so many issues still at bay. And then as we grew up, 
we lived through Trump of four years. Four years after eight years of surviving W. Bush. Many of us were in high school when W. Bush became president, moved on, we're in our 20s, and then we're like, no way could we ever get worse than that. And we did. And I want to say to the older millennials that we get a lot of t- labels put on us simply because we're the millennial tag, that we're lazy, that we're, no, we're none of those things. We're survivors. But I want to say to the older millennials that the time has come. We are now the generation that must lead and must be the change that we wish for our children, for our nieces, for our nephews, for the next generation. It's on us now. It's not on, I know Generation Y is the one that's before us and, you know, they're in their 40s and going to the 50s. But no, it's, it's us now. We're in our 30s. We're in our prime. We had one hell of a great childhood. I mean, we had Bill Clinton in the White House for eight years. Come on. We had Hillary Clinton in the White House. Come on. We had a great childhood, but the time has come. It's time for us to grow up and we need to take all of the hardships and transition that into great change. We're capable of doing that, no matter what they say about us. So that is my daily descent. Okay, guys, until next time, make sure you check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and of course on TikTok. And make sure you check us out on Spotify, iTunes, and obviously YouTube. Until next time, the OG of the HRC, signing out.